This is Kat Moss from Scal, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the new scene. I am your host, Keith, and we're back with another brand new episode. And on the show this week, we've got Nathan Gray of the Iron Roses. It's great to have Nathan back on the show. We cover everything in this conversation. He recently came out as non-binary, pansexual, and we cover that. And he talks about a lot of what he's going through now And before, you know, just a lot of personal things that have happened to him over the years and how he overcame them. Nathan recently came out as pansexual, non-binary, so they discuss a lot of what's going on now since that announcement has been made, and a lot of what happened before. You know, a lot has happened in Nathan's life, so there's a lot of good discussion around mental health and the things Nathan has been through and how they've worked through all of them. And of course... The Iron Roses, who have a new LP coming out this October on Iodine Recordings. It's a great conversation. It's a fun conversation. And there's a lot of good talk around mental health and those types of things. And I always like those episodes. So that conversation is coming up shortly. But first, here's how you can support the new scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. Shirts. We've got shirts available at our store at Deathwish Inc. Pick up a shirt. It's a great way to support the show. Reviews. Give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hit that five-star button. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can leave feedback on each episode in Spotify. Let us know how we're doing. You can always reach me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. The new LP from Horsewhip, Consume and Burn, is available now for pre-order. Pre-order yours today. I'm really digging what I've heard so far from this band, and I can't wait to hear the record. Garrison and Orange Island are playing a gig Friday, October 6th at the Middle East Downstairs in Boston. Get your tickets before it sells out. Also, the new Split 7-inch from Garrison and Orange Island. Songs from a Central Massachusetts Mill Town is available now for pre-order. That comes out October 6th. The Iron Roses, self-titled LP, that's available now for pre-order. Hey Thanks have tour dates kicking off October 19th, and one of those is with the Darling Fire. Can't wait for that show. For a full listing of Hey Thanks tour dates, head to the Iodine Instagram or to the Hey Thanks Instagram. Also, Rebuilder have tour dates kicking off September 1st at the Sinclair in Cambridge for their excellent new LP, Local Support. Go see them if you have the chance. I love the new record. For a full list of dates, check out the Rebuilder Instagram. Sign up for the Iodine email list. You'll find out about everything first. For more information, head to the Iodine Instagram at Iodine Recordings or head to their website at iodinerecordings.com. Also, don't forget to support this month's sponsor, New Morality Zine. 
That's right, New Morality Zine is a Midwest-based zine and independent record label specializing in hardcore, post-hardcore, and alternative music. Check out the NMZ Memo Sessions. NMZ artists recorded a stripped-down version of one of their songs during lockdown, and you can hear these one-of-a-kind recordings on streaming services right now. Pre-orders are up for Curse the Knife's There's a Place I Can Rest. That's out September 8th. Vinyl and merch bundles are available. And check out the new single, Big Ol' House. The cassette repress of Wish You Were Here by Demo Division is available now. That's limited to 50 tapes. Stateside has tour dates this fall with Montclair to support their release, It's What We Do. Those kick off September 15th in San Diego. There's very limited merch from Mile End left in the NMZ web store. Grab it before it's gone. There's very limited copies of the Spithouse LP left in the NMZ web store. Also, NMZ has a second press of Far Out Hardcore by Spaced on Orange Cassettes. It's really good. If you haven't heard it yet, check it out. Pick up one of those cassettes today in the NMZ web store. And speaking of the NMZ web store, get 10% off any order with the code NEWSCENEPOD. For more information... Head to the NMZ Instagram at New Morality Zine or check out their website at newmoralityzine.com. All right, let's talk music recommendations. I have not been listening to a ton of stuff lately, especially new stuff. It's just one of those phases I'm in. But I did go back in time and listen to Another Language by This Will Destroy You. That's their 2014 LP. It's one of my favorites by them. If you haven't heard it before, you really should. It's an excellent, excellent record. This is the kind of record you have to put on and just get lost in. You know, it just it just takes you in and holds you there until it's done. My favorite track off the record is War Prayer. That ending, come on, it doesn't get any better than that. I'll add a track to the New Scene 2023 Spotify playlist. I put all of my recommendations there as well as all of our guests. So check out that playlist on Spotify. All right, so check back in with me in segment three. I'll tell you everything that's going on with me. But right now, we are going to speak to Nathan Gray of the Iron Roses. Enjoy. Same routine that keeps us scattered inside Oh, I don't know 
Right, we are here now with Nathan Gray. Nathan, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, Nathan, it's great to have you back. You know, you were on again uh, a few months ago for a guest host spot. Mm-hmm. Now, this is why I love you, Nathan. You are a true OG of yeah. the new scene. You, <laughs> That's true. You were on in the early, early days within the first 50 episodes or so. But uh, it's great to have you here back for an in-depth conversation. There's a lot going on. Oh, yeah. The Iron Roses mm-hmm. have a uh, self-titled LP coming out in October yeah. on Iodine, right? Correct. October 20th. October 20th. That's very exciting. And you know what? We're, we're going to cover all of that, Nathan. We're going to cover everything. But first, I want to ask you, how are you doing today? I am doing okay. I am. Uh, it's, it's been a little stressful and crazy. Um, just all the rollout that we're doing for the album and just in general, my life is fairly, uh, wild at the moment. So, uh, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Things are going in the proper direction. I like that. I like that. What's going on in your life, Nathan? Is there, do you want to talk about it or not? Well, I mean, it's, there's a lot going on in my life and most of it is fairly public at the moment. And that is, you know, coming out as non-binary and pansexual and all of that um, has been a adjustment for some. (laughs) And, um, you know, a a lot of my good friends, I mean, there's no issue there, but I I think within my family and things of that nature, it's been a, it's been a hard, uh, I don't know how to put it. It's just been difficult. You know, I think when, when you come into your happiness and you realize who you are and what you want out of life. A lot of times it's very difficult for others who have a different viewpoint of you that makes them feel comfortable. And at the end of the day, you have to do a lot of, well, I'm not really fucking concerned about your comfort. I'm worried about mine, you know? So, um, people don't love that. So it is what it is. Yeah, it can be difficult. You know, I've, uh, I've had members of my family come out and, we dealt with that. But I've also thought like, wow, well, like, what if my parent came out? Or what if a sibling came out? Or how would I feel about that? And and what would I do? And what would I think? And all of that. So I am, yes, as you're saying, as you're stating, I imagine within the family structure, there is stuff to deal with. Yeah, without a doubt. But we're getting through it? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where you get through it regardless of whether anybody's cool with it or not. You know what I mean? You get to a point where it's like, okay, well, you've had enough time to figure it out. If you haven't figured it out, I'm just going to keep being me and we're going to deal with it. You know? Yeah. Because you have to be you. You can't change who you are. Yeah. I don't have a lot of time for that shit. So (laughs) we're running out of time. Yes. So it's good to, I'm glad. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen a change in you. I've seen the announcements Mm -hmm. on social media. So I'm happy that you're coming into more of who you are. And I, I want to talk about that Yeah, uh, some, if we can. Oh, absolutely. We can talk about anything. Yeah, because I, uh, you know, I've seen you say on social media, you have been going in and out of closets for most of your life. And I'm curious about that. Now, dating back to, I'm talking like 
late 90s when I first got into this music and everything in teenage hardcore knitting circles, there, you would be a topic of discussion. Like, uh, is he gay? Yeah. Is he not gay? <laughs> uh, what's going on? And even in more recent times, I've spoken to people and they've asked, they've asked me, like, did you ask him? Do you know? Do you know what's going on? And I say, no, like we, we, we didn't talk about that particular subject at that time. But But now we are. I'm curious. Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. But I'm curious about your journey and kind of how you came to where you are now, because uh, I think. I think talking about it and I think people hearing about it would help them if they're going through the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I love talking about it because I feel like it, it gets very confusing. It's difficult. And when other people can hear you telling your story, it makes their story just a little bit easier. Um, but it's funny because Becky, who also sings in the Iron Roses, was saying the same thing about like mid to late nineties, like hardcore circles and like message boards and stuff, always having those questions. And, um, and, and it's funny because I probably came out about four times, like, cause I didn't know what the hell was going on. I feel like at the time, obviously people were trans, people were non-binary, people were pansexual, bisexual, whatever, but the terms weren't as known, at least not to me. You know what I mean? So it was hard for me to realize what the fuck was going on because it was like, it was like, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I this? Am I that? I'm really confused about like my gender and who the hell I am. And so it came out in these ways where like one second I'm like, I'm gay. No, wait a minute. I'm straight. No, I'm bi. No, fuck. What's the term for this craziness? You know, like, <laughs> and, and so it was very frustrating over the years to go in and out of closets like that. And then to finally get to a place where at least I'm on my way, you know, cause I feel like you, you never truly land. There's always a journey. Everything's fluid. Everything changes uh, until it doesn't, you know? And, um, yeah. and so I feel like I'm in that moving stage in that fluid stage where I'm still trying to figure it out a little bit, but that at least there are terms and there are are ways of understanding it that I can explain it to other people, and then they can go, "Oh, okay, I've heard that before. I know what that is." You know, um, instead of people just looking at you like you're insane. You know, so that journey has been going on for decades and trying to figure that out. And you know, being raised in the church and all that kind of stuff, it didn't make it much easier. You know, because um, no matter what it was, no matter what I was feeling it was obviously sinful and wrong um, and unnatural and horrible and, you know, whatever. So trying to figure that out with that lingering guilt of that upbringing was very difficult. And now getting to the point where I'm just now at 51 going, okay, I sort of get it. I'm going to see where this journey takes me um, has been shocking. <laughs> um, in a good way to me, in a good way to some of my close friends, in a very bad way to other people who, um, you know, just don't get it, don't want to get it, and it just fine. You know, I've um, I've fortunately gotten to the place where I don't have a lot of time left to deal with this. You know, I'm right. I'm just going to start being me and taking that journey as I take it. And it's going to get weirder and wilder and crazier and more wonderful and more happy. And I'm just going to go there. And if everybody wants to jump off, jump off. 
It's not your train ride. Exactly. I find uh, the older I get, the less I care about outside opinions, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they don't matter. Uh, yeah. Well, in in men, in most cases, they don't matter. Like, uh, mm-hmm. my life used to be governed by imagined outside opinions of people that I don't even know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but but I just I realize now, hey, these people that you're imagining are going to look down on you for this. Are are they going to be there to help you when you need to move? Or yeah. Are they going to lend you money when you're down financially? Are they going right. to visit you in the hospital when you're injured? No, they're not there. They don't exist. They don't care. Your friends yeah. are your friends. Mm-hmm. The people who care are the people who care, and that's it. Yeah. And I've even found that even within close relationships, um there are times where it's like, well, your opinion doesn't matter as well. You know, it's you don't get to have an opinion on someone's existence. I mean, you can, but we don't get to hang out at that point. You know, that's I'm done. Like, go have an opinion somewhere else about it. It's not your life. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it's it's not as cut and dry now as it was back in the day. You know, Talking about the late '90s again, it's yeah. It's like, are, are you gay or straight? Yeah. Are you lesbian or straight? Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. But now there's a there's a lot more identifications. There's all kinds of different definitions now. It's, it's just based on the specific person mm-hmm. and how they define it. Yeah. And it's about being able to set your own boundaries for respect from others and to understand the world around you, to understand yourself, and to understand who is going to love you where you're at. And, and so it's, it's sort of awesome. Like it's very confusing for some, and it's very amazing for those of us who have grown up so fucking confused all the time on where we were. And now it's like, oh, there are terms for this. Oh, this is a thing. Like, I'm not just weird. This is like a a thing. Cool. All right. There's other people like this. Awesome. How have things changed for you Um, since uh, discovering more about yourself? I think... In many ways, the only thing that's changed for me is the amount of time I spend on the couch in deep depression. And so we're hoping it's less. Oh, now. yeah, less. Sorry. No, I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's much less. Okay, now. good. Yeah. So, good. so the, yeah, I should have been more specific there. Um, it has, it has made me much happier. And it's funny because, like, Life is never like, oh, depression's over and I'm fine. But when you are in a better place mentally, emotionally with who you are, it makes those low low times so much easier to get through. Like I don't find myself just wiped out for like a whole week. It might be for a day, you know, it might be for a few hours, but like overall, I'm happy, you know, because I'm on the journey that I want to be on as opposed to someone else's journey that they think I should be on. So it makes it much easier. How did you feel restrained before? You mentioned someone else's journey. Is it just society? Is it family? Is it all of that? All of the above. I think that, you know, number one, I had to get through something that I don't remember if I talked about it on this show before, but I have in the past five years talked about the sexual abuse that I dealt with in the church. And um, there was a lot of confusion in that too. In I, I had to get through that and get to a place where I could forgive myself and heal myself um, before I could get to this part. You know what I mean? It's been such a crazy, wild journey getting through all these different 
uh, traumatic experiences and things going on. Um, you know, recently I, um, I did a post where I burnt a picture, an old picture of me at 13, um, because I was hanging on to it. I was hanging on to this vision of this 13 year old who had been horribly wounded in the church, who had been, um, abused, um, and taken advantage of. And it's funny because I'm talking about it now. And normally by now I'd be in tears talking about this, but I'm not because I got to this point where I was trying to save that kid. You know what I mean? Like it was years and years and years of trying to save this child inside me. And finally I got to a point where I had to let him go. And I had to realize that I was taking up so much time in my present and and risking my future by dealing with this thing in the past that I needed to get through to move forward. Um, so, and that's where I am now. I, I burnt that picture and I did a, a thing of it online, which is sort of like a little ritual you go through, you know what I mean? To go, that's it, you know? Yes. Um, and And that was literally it. It just, it doesn't come up in my head anymore. It's not a thing that I deal with. It was, I mean, obviously a thing I dealt with all my life until probably about five or six years ago when I started going, I need to deal with this. And it was a rough road for like five, six years until now. And now that I've gotten into becoming who I am and I've gotten through, you know, really going through what had happened, um, I feel great. I love that. I love that. And it, yes, it's got to be so empowering to take control back and be able to talk about it or just deal with it without breaking down, right? But it, that that's part of the process. I mean, it, you're you're in the process of letting go until you can do it. Yes. And, it, and it's not like you only have to do it once. I mean, there's things I let go of every day. I, I, uh, I was thinking about your situation. I went through it. Now, what I went through is not the same at all, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that comparison, but I went through something where I'm part of an organization, right? An organization that's supposed to be dedicated to making you feel better, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a supportive place. Right. And I, I went through some bad things there and I was made to feel unwelcome. It was a concerted effort to, you know, make me feel bad and unwelcome. And I had a lot of anger and a lot of fear and a lot of a lot of things tied into that right and it, it took me a long time to even be okay with it and it'll it'll take me even longer to fully let go of it so thinking about your situation right mm-hmm. the church is supposed to be a, a bastion of hope a place of uh what's the word i'm looking for a place of refuge yeah. right mm-hmm. so to be betrayed by that mm-hmm. i mean is just of course it would take decades to process and and come to terms with yeah it's i mean you know you're thinking of some place that you consider a safe place and then it becomes very unsafe for you um it's hard to deal with it's hard to um you know and honestly like take uh keeping it inside and burying that with all the other things that like i was trying to hide from myself and everyone else was just it it was a, it came to a boiling point, you know, where I was just depressed and, or just angry all the time. Um, I, I, one of the things that I tell people is like, 
there was there's a point where I would see people smiling and be like, what the fuck are they smiling about? Like it'd make me angry. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And and you know that you're through that when you see people smiling, and it doesn't matter what the fuck they're smiling about. You're just stoked they're happy. You know? Um, and that's that's fortunately where I'm at now. And it's weird looking back at that that I was so troubled and so pent up inside that like just watching other people be happy no matter what it was for made me angry it's odd right Mm -hmm. i've gone through that too where seeing anybody happy or friends really made me angry and now i look at people who i don't even particularly like yeah and i'll be like i hope they're doing great i hope they're happy yeah Uh, yeah i hope everything's all right yeah (laughs) so even in recent times before you came to terms with everything were you still depressed? Like you mentioned, uh, less time depressed on the couch. So are we talking like even in recent years, you would be de- depressed? Oh, yeah. I mean, through the past like five to six years when I was dealing with all this stuff, it was awful. Um, the highs were high. The lows were low, um, you know, and yeah. and even now I'm not going to try to tell people because I think it's irresponsible to tell people that they can just get rid of depression. Um, right. There is a chemical makeup there. Um, but being happy with yourself and or medication helps you be better equipped to fight it and put you in a better place. Now with me, I haven't had to do any medication, but some people do. And, um, and I think it's important that if you need that, that you still do that, but also, uh, getting yourself into a place where you are happy with you is very important in order to fight depression. Uh, or to live with it, you know what I mean? So I would just say, like I said, I, I spend much less time buried in it and much more time struggling with it, you know, which I I prefer to be able to be in a place where it's like, oh, I feel it, I'm going to fight it, you know? And instead of just going, here it comes, fuck it, I just want to die, you know? Right. So um, yeah, I would say that's way better. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, the human brain is an odd and powerful thing. It's, it's us, right? It's just us with our thoughts and ourself. And you would think that we know ourselves better than anybody and can just be like, Oh, it's this. Let me work through this. Let me come to terms with this. But it does, it just doesn't work like that. No. Like for example, you know, I was uh, an addict for many years Mm -hmm. and I really struggled with self-hatred and depression and things that happened to me when I was younger. And it took years and years of of recovery community and seeing a psychologist on again, off again for years yeah. to be, even begin to understand any of what was going on with me. So it, it's not like you can just sit there and will happiness into existence. Like it, for me, it took a lot of help. Yeah. And uh, what about for you? I mean, how did you, how did you work through everything. Well, I think it's important what you said uh, for people to hear is how difficult it is. Because unfortunately, a lot of times people that struggle with depression, they see other people on like Instagram or somewhere else just doing these quick fix videos, you know? Oh, all I had yeah. to do was this. All I no, fuck you. No, you didn't. Like <laughs> that did not happen. There is no quick fix for depression. There is no quick fix for mental illness. There is no quick fix for mental health. Um, It is all very personal. Sometimes you need counseling. Sometimes you need outside help. Sometimes you need medication. Sometimes 
there are some things that you can get through on your own. And fortunately for me, I was able to get through, well, I don't want to say alone because I had friends. I had people that helped me through those things and loved me through them. But, um, but for the most part, I needed to get through a lot of it by myself. And that took, like I said, five to six years of me really dealing with it. You know what I mean? Not, not like before that, where it was just like festering. I had to get into a place where I'm like, okay, I see it and I'm going to take it head on. And so, you know, I would suggest that anyone out there that's dealing with depression or issues with mental health is to please not take any one person's advice uh, or any one person's story and, and use that as what's going to help you. Because a lot of times what people will do is go, oh, all I have to do is that. And then they go do it. It doesn't work. And it devastates them. You know, what works for me might not work for you. What works for the 3 million people might not work for you. So it's very important to take the time to really study what you need for you. Yeah, you know, that's great advice. And you can fall into traps easy on Instagram, TikTok, Mm -hmm. like, I just did this with this person, or I just took this pill, or I just took this supplement. No, it's not an easy fix. You know, in my own personal journey, I tried illegal drugs, Mm -hmm. then legal drugs, then illegal drugs again, then psychiatry, Mm -hmm. then 12 step, then 12 step plus psychiatry. It took a very long time to get to where I am today. It sounds like it took you a lot of self, uh, soul searching to find out where you are. So that's great advice. Try a lot of different healthy things and figure out the right combination that works for you. There are no easy fixes. Well, the uh, illegal drugs are an easy fix, but don't do that. I tried it. It doesn't work. Yeah, no. And that is the one thing that I can promise you, anyone out there, whatever you're going through, alcohol and drugs are not going to make it better. No. That's just all there is to it. I don't want to sound like a camp counselor or anything, but it's the truth. You know, uh, the medications that you may need to take could have bad side effects with the illegal drugs that you may do or alcohol. Uh, Not only that, but just self-medication is never going to help. I've done it. Oh, I've done it. You know, as you said, (laughs) I've tried it. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. For me, it didn't even mask it. It made it worse. And I don't know why I kept doing it. Like, oh, really? Yeah. So you didn't even at least have a period of like, hey, I'm having fun. And nope. I feel, wow, <laughs> I that's, just a, that's unfortunate. Drunk and coked up and angry. That's not a good combo. <laughs> like, yeah. I cruised for at least a decade on uh, masking everything. Oh, so. well, that's, I mean, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So you didn't even get that? No, didn't even get that out of it. So I am, I have been, uh, well, I've been clean off most things for a while, but I've stopped drinking. Uh, even like just a little bit, a little while ago, it was when the, within the, the age of the iron roses, but there was a point where I was like, why am I doing this? Like, right. Honestly, like I got to the point where I was like, every once in a while I'd have a drink with dinner. I never got buzzed or drunk, but it was like, well, if I'm not getting drunk, why am I doing it? What's the point? They have non-alcoholic beers. Like they have, like if I want the you know, seed lip, whatever, the non-alcoholic like booze stuff, like I could just do that if I want the taste of something. So no point. It's just a repetition, uh, old habits, you know? Yeah, yeah. So part of your journey of dealing with things that happened to you and everything in your past, you know, listening back to our original conversation, you said a lot of that started with your solo music. 
feral mm-hmm. hymns to be specific, yes. correct? Yes. And that you had a lot to get out personally mm-hmm. and that uh some things that you had never fully addressed in the way that you did before you you began to address on that record, yes? Yes, without a doubt, several things. Um number 1 echoes was about the sexual abuse that I had gone through. Um but also funny enough, I felt compelled to put a cover of Boy Sets Fires across five years on there because I was starting to deal with who I was as being queer. And and that song is about an ex-boyfriend. And that song, uh, who's still a friend of mine to this day, it was about that relationship and me cutting it off because I was afraid of who I was and where that relationship was going. And um, it's funny because I hadn't talked about that song with Voice That's Fire because I remember a time we were playing a show and uh, it was after the show. Someone, a guy came up and asked me about Across Five Years, said how meaningful it was to him. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's awesome. And I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm just going to tell him what it's about. And I did. And his face just dropped. And he was like, nah, well, I guess that doesn't really mean that much to me anymore. Oh. And just broke me you know it was just like somebody spitting in my face wow and um and i just okay well i'm never going to share that again you know with anyone yeah. uh that they can just make up whatever they want about that song it's not about that you know and so i think that putting across five years on it was my defiant moment you know to go no fuck this i'm going to keep hanging on to this song until i can explain to the world who i am that's good. That's good. And yeah, uh, one thing that struck me, one thing that always stuck with me from that conversation that we had a couple years ago, mm-hmm. you know, when you started to perform those songs, you said there was people at men at your shows who heard what you were saying and they were able to finally talk about things that happened to them, like with their girlfriends or their wives or whoever was close to them. I think that's extremely powerful. Mm-hmm. That was, I would say, getting into, uh, so we, I did Feral Hymns. I'm trying to remember when the, I did a double live album sort of thing in Europe. And it was right around that time where people were coming out to the shows. It was almost like a counseling session, you know, <laughs> like I would talk about all the things that I needed to talk about. And then it was, it was really cool because either, you know, some guy would, get in touch or come up and talk to me about it or more than more than once usually it was their girlfriend or wife coming up and thanking me for letting her understand where her husband or her boyfriend were at because they finally were able to have words for it and to be able to tell her and then you know like people who were on the verge of breaking up and just calling it quits and then finally this guy was able to be like oh shit I can talk about this. And so then they talk about it and everything, you know, everything didn't get better. I mean, it didn't fix everything, but it got better, you know, and they were able to finally communicate and understand one another. And he didn't have to be quiet anymore, you know, about this. So uh, that was a huge thing and something that we have, as we've grown into the Iron Roses, have really brought that into this, you know, that idea that what we are doing isn't just music. It's not just a, um, 
you know, we talk about politics a lot. It's not just a political statement. It's not just that it's a, it's a, it's a holistic thing that we're doing. And we're trying to create these safe spaces and these uh, areas where people can just be themselves so that they can heal with themselves and with whoever they're with. I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, on one hand, you have a guy who, who can't connect with the song anymore because he finds out it's about two men. Yep. Okay. That's his problem. Yep. But on the other hand, we're, we're helping all of these other people who can connect with the yep. message. So mm-hmm. it's That's good. It's yep. good. Uh, that we're sticking with that and we can focus on that. It's been wonderful connecting recently with more non-binary and trans people through me coming out and talking about who I am and being able to, you know, help people who feel outside and weird to feel accepted, to feel like they have almost a spokesperson to an extent or someone that just understands where they're coming from, who has a microphone and attention, you know? So, um, it's, it's been a great process to go through, to go through this healing publicly (laughs) has, has just created a lot of really cool friendships and a lot of really cool experiences with helping others. So I want to trace, uh, some more of the origin of the iron roses. Now Mm -hmm. I get, I mean, I guess it started with you and your solo work, right? Feral hymns, working title. Mm Mm-hmm. That's where it began. Yes. So talk about kind of the evolution of you and your solo work and how we start to move into the solidified group of the Iron Roses. Yeah, sure. Um, so it started with Feral Hymns, which Feral Hymns started because I needed to speak out about what I had been through, you know, and I wasn't quite sure how to or if I wanted to, but music seemed like the way to do it, you know, Um and so I began there. And funny enough, um, Becky, who sings in the Iron Roses as well, has sang on every single one of those albums too, um, as as a backup singer. Mm. Um, so as I moved on, I started collecting people to an extent. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I I sort of in the back of my head knew where this was going. You know, yeah. when you go from feral hymns to working title you sort of know what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, it's getting a little lighter. It's getting a little bit more band structured. It's getting a little bit, you know what I mean? And and I feel like, so you do Feral Hymns and then Working Title and then Rebel Songs. And as you move through it, you can see the evolution happening where it's turning into more of a band. It's it's becoming more, less uh, dark and in a, like personal in a dark sense and more, political slash personal and more sort of like you've heard from me before, you know, but in a more joyful manner. Uh, And as I was doing that, I was sort of testing who was going to work out and who wasn't because at first the thought was, well, it'll just be Nathan Gray in a backup band. And as I kept doing that, I was like, ugh, I don't like this. I don't love that. It's, it's almost sounds like a blues band, like Nathan Gray and the iron roses. It's, it just sounds wrong to me. Um, (laughs) And I, Honestly, I I think that part of my healing was part of letting go of some ego and realizing that I didn't really want to be front and center as much. You know, I I, I love uh, being part of something, not just me. You know, um, yeah, and and a collective working. 
because I feel that's where the best things happen. Like as a solo artist, I have no ability to uh, filter myself. You know, it just sort of like, let's throw this at the wall and see what happens. But with a band and people who are autonomous and have their own part in that band, we check each other. You know, there's a check and balances for songs, for lyrics, for ways we behave, for thing, ways we release things and do things. And it became so important to be part of a collective group. So going through that where, you know, Rebel Songs was basically just me, my friend Jed and my friend Gene wrote everything and then tried to record it. <laughs> and <laughs> um, and when we did that, obviously Becky came to the studio and did backup vocals. But also at that same time, Phil, who plays guitar in the in the Iron Roses now, it, it's funny because we joke about how we collect people because it's like you come in to do like a cameo part and we grab you. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, you're ours now. Like <laughs> you you live here now. So uh, Phil came in to just do a few rapping parts. Uh, because I had learned of him as a hip hop artist and I loved what he did. And rebel songs was delving into sort of hip hop and reggae stuff. And I was like, well, I should bring someone in who knows what they're doing. And not only that, but I needed to test my own shit against him, you know, like, uh, with radio silence and look alive and stuff like that. Like I had to look at Phil and go, please don't let me sound stupid. Like <laughs> I, I'm going to be doing a little rapping here and I need you to make sure if this sounds dumb, tell me not to do it, you know, cause you know what you're talking about. And, right. and he gave me the, okay. He was like, no, this is good. You're doing it good. It's, it's in your own way. It doesn't sound like you're mimicking or copying. You're just, you're doing it in the way you would do it. And it sounds great. So that was great. And it was funny cause I, I, I think I even remember like having Phil there and looking across at the table and Becky sort of giving me that look where it was like, yeah, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, so do you play guitar? <laughs> and he did. Um, so we captured Phil. And um, so it was like, at that point, then it was like, okay, it's me, Becky and Phil. We're doing this. And oh, sorry, actually a little bit further back with working title, I had brought Michael into the band who plays bass now. So this is how clusterfucky and crazy it is because it was all these different members at all different times and certain ones stuck and certain ones didn't. So I'm only yeah. going to talk really about the ones who stuck, you know? Uh, but I remember Michael was, is the only person in this band that probably didn't come from like a hardcore and punk background necessarily. Like um, he was a Boy Sets Fire fan and when he heard mm -hmm. I was looking for a bass player, I think his brother sent him the post and he wanted to try out for it. And it was him and one other guy that was trying out for bass. And um, we he came in and played with the band that I had at the time. And, um, and honestly, I wasn't completely fixed on him. I was sort of like, I think the other guy's going to work out better. Right. As luck would have it, the other guy was like, ah, I can't really tour. Well, that fixes that, you know? <laughs> and um, and so Michael came in and it was the best mistake I've ever made in my life. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those things where like, like Becky and Phil were obvious. Like it was like, those are obvious people that are going to be here. I didn't know Michael from shit. Like, yeah. and I had no idea. Like he came in with the goofiest ass looking bass. I was like, <laughs> oh God, no, I can't. Like the aesthetics of it were like, Oh, oh, he loves tool and like all this 
tech metal stuff. Like this isn't going to (laughs) work. And as I got to know Michael though, and as he started being able to bring what he does to our style of music, huh? I am so glad I did not fuck up and tell him no. Like he is perfect for this band. Um, and you'll hear it on this album. Like the, the bass lines that he comes up with, like I, I listened to that album just go, Oh, I'm so glad I didn't fuck that up. Like, <laughs> and, and he's the sweetest human being in the world. Love him to death. Yeah. It's uh it's interesting. There's a lot of preconceived notions in music, right? Like uh, I was thinking about this earlier today. It's very like, oh, they have the wrong look or, oh, they did this thing the one time or, oh, I don't know them that well. And now that I'm involved again with playing and now that I'm talking to a lot of musicians, it's great when you break through those. And I, I do it too, but it's like when you break through those preconceived notions and you get to the root of the playing and the people that you're with and the and you just, it's just really hitting and it's really connecting. It's, it's a really great thing. Yeah. And then like, um, so with drummers, it was actually one of those things where it was just who was available because we had, uh, Jake, my friend Jake was playing for us. Um, and he just, you know, he got in a relationship, he got a house, he got, he just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, yeah. and then same with David who played on, the last Iron Roses album. He played on the album, but then he couldn't tour or anything. So we got very fortunate to find Steve, who plays with us now, who can actually tour and commit to what we're doing. Um, and he's great. He's the baby of the band. But then Pedro, uh, God, we went through so many guitarists, so many guitarists. <laughs> um, but so me and Becky and one of the guitarists we had at the time played an acoustic set with Amberetta and in Philly and Pedro was playing with Amberetta. And it was one of those things where I didn't notice at all, but Becky had her eye on him and, uh, and jumped into his DMS and, um, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and just sort of started talking to him and uh, she's cracking up and blushing right now. She's sitting here like, what the fuck are you saying to people? You did though. You did though. So she got into his DMS, slid into his DMS. Got to. <laughs> and, uh, and started talking to him. And then, um, you know, when the other guitarists we had sort of, it seemed, it, it was obvious it wasn't going to work out. We we're like, so you want to, you want to try this? And Pedro came in and it was just like, there it is. There's the missing link. You know, we've been trying to look for the people who are in, and it is me, Becky, Michael, Phil, Steve, and Pedro are it. Like, I couldn't imagine anyone else in this band. I love it. Yeah, it, it's really hard to find a solid lineup, you know, like the band I'm in now, three out of five of them, well, they were all based in Florida. And then two guys from New York ended up being the rhythm section for this band that's now split between Atlanta and Florida. It can be really hard to find the people. And it, it sounds like it was for you oh, uh, yeah. to and, some degree. And even now, and it's only because everyone's so committed. So Becky and I live in Elkton, Maryland. Uh, Phil lives in Cincinnati, Ohio. Steve lives in like Northern New Jersey and Pedro lives in Richmond, Virginia. So it's still crazy, but because everyone's so committed to what we're doing, it makes it easy, you know? Um, and, and it's, it takes a lot of driving. It takes a lot of working, but we make it work. And, uh, we've made 
after this album that we just recorded, we literally sat down, we created an LLC with this band, and we made a commitment to each other that we were going to do two years uh, after this album releases in October to see where it goes. We're going to be all in. We're going to do everything we can to make this move forward. And in two years, if we see that this is taking off, awesome. If it's not, fuck it. We'll just play every once in a while, you know? Yeah. But from what I can see, it seems to be doing okay. So I don't have a lot of worry. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I I, I think uh, the move from Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses to just the Iron Roses was a good one because I can't speak for everyone, but for me personally, when it's like Guy and the people you know i i have a harder time i have a harder time connecting with it yeah because it it just presents itself as the structure of like here's this person with this backing band kind of like you were talking about yeah and i think people connect with bands and i've said this a couple times recently on the show but i think it's true like you know it's like the mythology of the band yep the story of the band Mm -hmm. the individual people of the band we grow with the band we have experiences with the music. We're growing together. 100%. Right? It's like, yep. it's, it's all tied in together. Yeah. It's, it's such a more important feel than somebody in the somethings. Like it just, right. it just doesn't, unless you're playing like blues or Americana rock or something, you know what I mean? Like a punk band that's, it doesn't work. Like it's just, you, you gotta, yeah. There's the whole mythos of the entire band. And there's that energy of the entire band. And when you just have one person at the front and a bunch of people in the back, it doesn't connect with people like a full band does. Right. So we have the band, we have the people, mm-hmm. and we have this new record coming out, which is very exciting. Self-titled yes. record, mm-hmm. The Iron Roses, right? Yes. And there's one single out there now, everybody, Screaming for a Change. Yes. So check that out if you haven't heard it yet. Please uh, do. I love... Yes, I love it. I love what you guys are doing. Let's talk about this record. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what's some of the inspiration? What are we singing about? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Let We'll get there in a second. Let's start with an easy question. When did production on this record begin? I'm talking like beginning to write it. Ooh, let me see. I'm going to fact check this one with Becky. On yes. This. So it was when did production of this start? Like it was right after Rebel Songs, right? Yeah. Okay. She said, I never stop writing. So that's actually (laughs) true. I am, I am a crazy person and I am constantly writing. So some of these songs that you hear, uh, were actually taken from parts that never made it to rebel songs. Um, so ever since, yeah, we started demoing in May of last year, but, but that's not to say, you know what I mean? We, we were writing and I was throwing things back and forth to other people in the band. And that was a cool thing too. Cause it was like, here's some songs that didn't make it to rebel songs that I feel have potential, but not as how I wrote them. And so I'd pass them out to everybody else and they'd go, Oh, well you need to change this and you need to do this. And we'd pass it back and forth until all of a sudden it was funny. Cause like there's a few songs like screaming for a change. Let's start with screaming for a change. Yes. I sent the original version to everyone in the band. And they were like, oh my God, I had forgotten. It was a like a straight up reggae song. Like oh. it was just a slow reggae song with a different chorus attached to it. It was boring as all hell. Like it was like, <laughs> and it was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> and it was funny because it was like a few people are like, oh yeah, I remember this. And some people are like, 
sort of remember this, but wow, this has been through so many changes, you know? Um, but it's, uh, so yeah, uh, that's when we started doing everything. I think May would probably have been when we were like, okay, seriously, we're working. And how's it work? Do we just send the tracks around to each other and everybody, uh, adds their thing on top of it? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's sort of a, uh, combination thing which i'm stoked to get into again for the next album but um it's so we all write something you know what i mean like whether it's a full song or it's just a part then that all goes into you know uh garage not garage band uh logic like whatever anyone's using goes into the online pit where we mess with it mess with it mess with it until it's almost there then we schedule in-person practices with them so you get them to where they're almost there, good enough, and then you get in a room and you play them and really suss them out. And then, uh, and that's how we did this whole album. Um, I look forward to doing a little bit more in person next time because that's when we really made some cool changes and differences to songs. But, uh, but I still think it's important to start off something so you don't get frustrated in the practice spot to suss them out a little bit online. Yeah, yeah, because it, when when you're spread out as much as your band is, if you know, if you're only playing when you're together, you know, like when you just yeah. get together and jam and try to come up with something, sometimes you come up with something and sometimes you don't. And ev- look, everyone's older, we have yeah. jobs, we have expenses, you know. Yeah. And you don't want to waste time when you get together, so it's better to come there with actual ideas of songs to work on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So is this the so would this be the first Iron Roses album where we're working like cohesively together as a band? Yes. And that's what's so cool about this album because if you listen to Rebel Songs, um there's a different style in place that is me. You know, uh, I was bringing in the ska and reggae and hip hop influence to stuff, but honestly the way I strum guitar and stuff, no matter how punk I want it to be, it's going to come off a little rock. You know, and a little bit almost like um, Midwestern to an extent, you know, Um, have a bit of an Americana vibe to it, which I don't want. It's just how I strum guitar and I don't want to play guitar, you know. (laughs) Um, So bringing Pedro and Phil in, when you listen to this album, I mean, you can already sort of hear it on Screaming for a Change. But when you listen to this whole album, it's crazy. So Pedro is probably one of the best rhythm guitar players I've heard. He's just very steady. He's got a very down-picking Ramonesy feel to what he plays, um, which is what we needed, is to punk it up a little bit. And then Phil brings in this crazy, like, almost metal thing to stuff, where it's like these discordant leads and things that you wouldn't normally hear in what we do that makes it so much more valuable. You, the song and so much more uh original so being able to bring those things together uh having phil and pedro together in the guitar section and then to have michael who is just wild on bass the only thing that i can relate it to is maybe rancid matt freeman you know what i mean that really busy but it works because you can hear people who are real busy and it's like, Jesus, calm it down. You know? yeah. But but with him, it's like it's so natural and it's so flowing and it works so well with what we do, but makes it original. Like like with Hot Water Music, like, yes, their bass player is the busiest bass player in the world, but it works. 
You know what I mean? It brings originality to what they do. And yes. so I am glad that we have that now in what we do. It's not just like a guitarist playing bass, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's great because uh, we, I'm I'm playing bass uh, in the band I'm in now. And listen, when it comes to bass, there's a there's a good busy and a bad busy. I think there's no in between. So if you have that good busy, that's the place to be. Oh, it's so good. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so was it an adjustment at all? Like uh, working with the band now? Because I guess before maybe you were writing a lot of stuff. Is it is it hard to let go of some of the control? It was it was very difficult to let go until I started to let go and saw what came from it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it was like it was like, oh, I don't want to let go of this. This is mine. This is my thing. And then as I slowly let go, it's like, oh shit, they got it. And and honestly, it took getting this team now. Like what we had before, I couldn't. I just couldn't let go because they they didn't have it, you know? Um, and with this team, I could just go, fuck it. You know, and just it's it's great. You know, everybody has their own part to play in this and and bring something new and original to it. You know, like I said, we've got um Pedro and Phil doing guitar, we've got Michael doing bass, and then Becky brings in I mean, it's you'll you hear it in Screaming for a Change, but you'll definitely hear it even more on the rest of the album where we're both singing. It's like a duet going on throughout this whole album and she's doing the harmonies and I'm doing the melodies, but no one's necessarily the front of it. They just intertwine. It's I, I was, we were talking about it yesterday and I was like, it's almost like alkaline trio. You know what I mean? Like there's no lead there. It's not that Matt or Dan are really the lead. It's, I mean, they switch off leads sometimes, but really they're both singers. They're both the singers for that band. And um, and that's how it works with us. And it's just so cool to do something original and not just do something because I want to do it, you know, to 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 be able to sit back, stand back and be very proud of what we've all done and what we've all contributed to this collective awesomeness. I like that. I like that. And that's the thing with uh, working with a band. You know, it, it can be difficult and there's a lot of personalities and dynamics and all of that. But the results that you can get with the right people are unlike anything else because everybody brings their own flavor. And if we have all the right flavors, we have an incredible dish. Yeah. it's And this is, I, I just feel so connected to this now. And, and, and you can tell it in like how people are receiving it too. Like fans that, fans and friends and stuff that honestly, they liked my solo stuff they weren't this enthusiastic about it. You know what I mean? And, and, and I don't blame them. Like, this is exciting. This is like, this is something new and different and exciting. It's not just that dude from that band. I like went solo and yeah, it's good. It's great. I mean, yeah, it's great. You know, like it, this is something brand new and cool. And I, I, I love it for us. I love it for our fans. I love it for everyone. So you said we're going to go full speed ahead for two years. Yep. And that what does that mean? National touring, international touring? All of it. We uh we dedicated ourselves to October 20th when this record drops. That's I mean, so this month and next month there will be single drops. So you're gonna get a single this month, there's gonna be one next month, and then it's gonna release on October 20th. On October 20th, 
that's go time. Uh, and we will, we're finishing out this year with a short tour down to fest in Gainesville. And then we're going to go to Europe in December. And then when January hits, it's hitting, you know, we have determined that we're going to be out on the road doing what we need to do to grow this band and make it work. And we've all committed ourselves to that. I love that. I love that. And uh, I mean, it sounds like it's going well, right? Is, is there still resistance from fans or is there still Zero. like no, <laughs> no, no legacy of Boy Sets Fire no. to work through? Or are we getting I, through it? I have never not heard the word Boy Sets Fire more in my life than with this band. It's sort of <laughs> cool, you know, like with and I think that's also taking my name out of the equation, you know, that helped with that. Instead of yes. Nathan Gray and the something somethings, it was like, this is a brand new band. And it's funny because, you know, not and and that's not to shit on the legacy of that band. It's it's to say that this band has done so well that it's unnecessary to use that for anything other than what it was. It was a it's a brilliant legacy, you know? And and I think that that band did amazing things in the time that we had. And um and now moving forward, people are just really locked onto this. And I love that. I love that I'm able to and we are able to as a band surpass that cuz that's not easy. It's not easy for bands to I mean you can even think back way back in the day to like Fugazi coming from Minor Threat. Mm-hmm. Ian McKay had a hell of a time getting people to stop talking about Minor Threat. You know what I mean? To get into Fugazi. But it happened. Yep. You know? And um and and this is happening now and it's really cool to see that that people are accepting this as what it is and not just an extension of what was. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And it, it is its own thing. You know, when we look at the Iron Roses, when we listen to it, it doesn't just sound like Boy Sets Fire Part 2. Right. And I think I think that's a good thing because it's like, all right, if you're in one band and it's popular and it has a legacy and all that stuff, but then you like break up and just kind of start the same band again, it's like, well, well, why? Yeah. And I've heard that. It's funny from like, there were a couple of bands, and I'm not going to name them because that's rude, but like right. there, were, there were times where like people who played in other bands, they'd go and do another project. And it was like, wow, that just sounds like your other band. Why are you doing this? Like, you could just go <laughs> do that, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I guess it's just a fun thing to, to but it sounds just like this, you know? So uh, right. that was definitely a thing that we wanted to avoid because it is difficult with my voice, but I think that how we avoid that is number one music is very different you know it's still aggressive it's still joyful it's still what it is but you've got mine and becky's voice together you've got a very different feel it's not so much um it's just not boy sets fire you know it's just it's just not so it's cool that people are recognizing that and accepting it for what it is instead of just going oh well this isn't what i wanted to hear it's like oh I like this also, you know? <laughs> right, right. And uh, I'm looking at your numbers here on uh, Spotify, Nathan, mm-hmm. and we, we have some healthy numbers here. Rebel Songs, almost at half a million plays. That's got to feel yeah. good, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been great. Um, and, and just now, like, we were just looking at the Spotify numbers for this one single, and they were at 10,000. I mean, that's just cool. You know, like, yeah. you know, we... 
I feel like going into this band and seeing how the pre-sales are going with it, how the Spotify numbers are going, how we've been invited on to like Faction Punk on Sirius FM, you know, or Sirius oh, nice. Radio. Yeah. Um, like that's that's a good feeling that people care and they want what we have, you know? Um, and that's that's just rad. Like, because this band really means a lot to me. It means a lot to us as a band. And to to be able to, well, I think one of the things that really jams me up that gets me like really excited is that I was able to bring everybody together into this and they get to be in something that takes off like this. You know what I mean? There's something in me that wants to do that for other people. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, look how cool this is. And like have people that like maybe, you know, they've done other music, they've done other bands, but it hasn't taken off like this to be like, oh, I get to do this with people, you know, or and for them and with them, you know, uh, it's just cool. And and to, for it to be so obvious that it's not because of me, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, obviously it gave us a, a step up, but because of the fact, like I said, it hasn't been mentioned once, you know, Nathan from Boy Set Fire. You know, that's not a, a big thing on this. So not having that looming over us and the band being able to feel like they have a part in this and that they are helping to grow this and make it what it is, is awesome. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it's it's great to be able to give back. I try to do that in my own little ways when I can as well. And it's just, and I do it not to feel good about myself or boost up my ego, but I always think of that scared, lonely, angry kid who just felt like he could never get a break or could never do anything that he wanted to do. So if I can help people out uh, when I can in little ways, it's just, it's just my way of giving back. Yeah, absolutely. So you have Becky there with you? Yes. Can I ask her a question? Absolutely. Can you put your headphones on? He has a question for you. <laughs> we have a we have a little joint headphony thing here, so I'm going to give her the mic. Yes. Hi, Becky. How we doing? Good. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Are we excited about the new record? Uh, yes, a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And how is it working with Nathan? Do we love Nathan? Everything good? Um, I'm standing right yeah. here. We we gotta gossip a little bit while he's away. Okay, plug your ears, baby. Plug right. your ears. <laughs> it's awful. Let us out. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It's good. And I like I'm sitting here listening to him or to them talk about the kind of shift from solo artist to person in a band. And for me, it's been fun to watch that firsthand. I was ha um, kind of laughing a little bit when they were talking about letting go of control <laughs> because I know that was um, a big deal for them. But I think so much flourish when that happened and when they could let go a little bit. And um, it's just been awesome to to kind of see this thing take flight as a group of six individuals who have different, you know, stories and different places in life and different social and, you know, sexual backgrounds or sexual identities or whatever that may be. It's pretty cool to see the story 
um, get written from a book that has many different authors. So it's been good. So wait, do you live with Nathan? No, I live two doors down from Nathan. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so yeah. I, excuse me if this question is too press, too pressing, but are you and Nathan like together or just neighbors no, or just bandmates? What's neighbors, the situation? We're bandmates. We're friends. Neighbors, bandmates, and friends. Got it. <laughs> it was a personal ask question, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we're digging deep here today, everybody. Yeah. So you're front person for the band as well. So you are you up front singing backups with Nathan the whole no, time. I'm up I'm up front singing with Nathan the whole time. Yeah. Not not backups. Not backups. <laughs> oh, you're so you're like co-lead vocalist. Yes. Yep. Yep. Oh. Yes. Uh yeah, you'll see us dancing across the entire stage together. Like uh it's definitely a quote a co-fronted thing. Okay, good. Because uh yeah, I because I was going to ask like you know uh sometimes someone will be in a band and they just do backups or like mm -hmm. they just play keyboard or they'll just shake a maraca or something. <laughs> like whenever I watch a band that's doing that, I, I, I get anxious because I think like, what would I do the whole time? Yeah. You know, like I'm, yeah. I'm not much of a dancer. I can't like, I can't really groove too much. What yeah. would I do? Yeah. I mean, I definitely started in that place. You know, um, like Nathan said, I have been doing backing vocals on other solo albums um but i have grown with the band itself so i am no longer a person with tambourine and you know in the dress in the back <laughs> now i am <laughs> other maniac on stage uh dancing and you know screaming into the crowd and and sweating with, with the best of them so excellent well thank you becky for uh enduring my questioning <laughs> and uh Hey, I'm looking forward into running into you one of no these ways. days. No worries. Yes, we'll do that. All right. You did this the most complicated yeah. thing <laughs> You should have just seen how I just crawled under that microphone. Okay. I'm back. Hi. <laughs> hey. Hey. Thank you. Thank you for entertaining me there. I figure while well, we have Becky, you know. Oh, let's... yeah. No, of course. Yeah, absolutely should. We're actually uh, in the future making sure that most interviews are done with her and I. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, so we've got the album coming out October 20th on the wonderful Iodine recording. So everybody, we got to pre-order that, right? Oh, you have to. And honestly, you better do it quick because it's the uh, vinyl is selling out quick. Um, we have sold out of the probably thousand, I think it's like about a thousand pieces of vinyl out there in the different dis distribution areas. Uh, we've sold close to 700 of them. Oh, great. Yeah. So if you want vinyl, you better get it now. And you've got those tour dates coming up, I think in December, right? Those kick off in Germany? Yes. Yeah. So we have, well, we have some tour dates down to uh, Fest in Gainesville in October um, in the US, just down south, uh, which we're probably going to be talking about this week online. Uh, but we have already announced, yeah, in Germany, and there's like one show in Switzerland, I think, in December. Wow. That's got to, yeah, touring Europe must be the best. I haven't done it yet myself, mm -hmm. but I know you've done a lot. It's got to be a lot of fun, right? Oh, yeah. It's great. It's awesome to see new places and to hear different languages and accents and just, it's, it's, it's just cool to travel, you know, and to see different places and how they work. Yeah, see, I thought I hated traveling, but it turns out I just hated traveling for my day job, you know? Yes. Yeah, there's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, I did a little run with my band recently, and it was the most fun I ever had. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Nathan, uh, I just want to say 
thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Really looking forward to the new record. And uh, thank you. This was great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And there you have it, Nathan Gray, with a special guest cameo appearance from Becky Fontaine. That was a great conversation. Always happy to have Nathan on the show. You know, they are just so forthcoming. They put it all out there. Everything that they shared about their past and the mental health journey and how their music has helped other people throughout the solo career and moving into the Iron Roses. It's just very compelling stuff. And the thing that Nathan said that stuck with me the most is, I'm on the journey I want to be on, rather than someone else's journey they think I should be on. I relate to that because for so much of my life, I had pressure from other people. Well, not so much pressure from other people, I guess, but me doing that to myself, thinking I have to go to college and I have to get some type of job in business, and I have to give up on my dreams and all that stuff, which is not true, which is not true. I'm lucky that I'm in the position now where I can be doing more things that I want to be doing and making choices for myself because for way too long, I was making choices for other people or just trying to be somebody who I wasn't. So I'm glad I don't have to live like that so much anymore. But a great, great conversation from Nathan. Really happy to have you back on the show. So thank you, Nathan. So let's check in, huh? How are we doing? Well, I'm doing okay. Listen, there's nothing going on. There's nothing going on. It's been a quiet weekend. Just a lot of sitting around. A lot more gaming, which I'm actually taking a break from tonight because I'm a little burnt out. But there's just not a lot going on. I'm working on the podcast, working on music in various bands. That's my focus right now. And again, looking forward to the end of summer and the beginning of fall. So since there's nothing going on, let's check in and read some listener feedback. How about that? Okay, so they have this Q&A thing on Spotify. Some people have been leaving some nice comments about some of the episodes. Let's take a look. Episode 184, Dave Neesmith of Bats and Mice and Sleepy Time Trio. Jeff Muckensturm says, This was an incredible interview. So great and inspiring. Thank you. No, Jeff. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right. Episode 180, Ray Gunn Bush of Chatpile. Tanner Green says, Ray is the man. That's right. Ray is the man. And it was awesome talking to him. Really liked that episode. Episode 171, Cat L of Farm. Darth Maz says, Cat is genuine and Farm is just a straight fire of a band. Sucks they are ending, but I'm glad I got to photograph them and see them a few times before its end. If you slept on them, you're shit out of luck. It's true. Great band, great person, great episode. And finally, episode 166, Sergi Lubkoff of Sam I Am and Ways Away. Tim Baker says, thoroughly enjoyed this interview with Sergi. Sam I Am has been my favorite band for 30 years. Sergi is a great guy. Great questions and nice pacing. I was engaged the whole time. Thank you, Tim. I love to hear that. I love to hear that. Pacing compliments and good question compliments are my heroine. I love them. 
Speaking of, I heard from Nigel, who wrote to me about uh, the recent episode with Marshall Gallagher from Teenage Wrist. Nigel says, you asked all the right questions. Superb job. Subbed on YouTube. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Nigel. I've heard that more than once, that I ask good questions or that I ask the right questions. And it's one of my favorite compliments to get. So I'm going to keep doing it. So thank you, everyone who's listening. Thank you, everyone who's written to me. You know, our audience has grown a lot. Our listenership has grown a lot over this year. So I just want to say thank you to everybody for giving me the motivation to keep going. It's a lot of fun, and I like doing it. So that's it this week. I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next time.